Hey, hello. My name is Miles. Welcome, Welcome to Cartoon Cartoon. To the takes it took. Welcome to um, shoot. What was that old cartoon thing with Steve Bloom, voice acted the robot guy? Toonami. 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 Welcome to Toonami. And he would say like really <laughs> enlightening. He'd say really enlightening, nice stuff. He'd be like, "Always keep your friends. You know, your friends will always love you." And it's just really kill your family. Kill your family. Hey guys, we're back Woo! with another movie, 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 movies. We did um, it. We made it to another one. Cue the musical cue for our section where we review movies that we watched recently. Okay, music cue, go. Wow, movies. Mariah, thanks for that beautiful musical cue. We are now going Thank to you. review some movies that we watched. Uh, anyone like to go first? Yeah, Mariah, I can. What, yeah, what did you watch? Um, I watched a movie called Out of Sight. I didn't see it. Um, because it was I, out of sight. I, I never heard of it. Sight. That's out of earshot, mm. which is yeah. a different movie. Out Idiot. of smell. Smell of vision. Okay. Um, it's a movie called Out of Sight, directed by Steven Soderbergh, who did Ocean's Eleven, which we have covered on this podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it also has George Clooney in it. It is also ice related. It also has Don Cheadle in it. So it was just a really fun time. J Lo is in it. I think you just watched. Ocean's Eleven again. Yes. Oh, fuck. I do think Soderbergh is the name of an ice cream as well. Anyway, that's what I watched. Okay, Stephen. All right, that's well, since quick, you want to sorry, talk over Stephen me. Okay, I'm took sorry. over. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I'm actually going to talk about two things very briefly because I, we watched Gangs in New York the other night. I don't really want to talk about it. I just want to do the voice where it's got Daniel Day-Lewis in it and he's kind of like, I know your works. You are neither hot nor cold. And because you are lukewarm, I will spew you from my mouth. He talks like that. It's very funny. Um, I just kind of wanted to do that bit. It's a it's a good movie. It's long, and we actually didn't have that bad of a time watching a long movie. Okay. Um, I Sometimes know. I, it's a it's a slog. It's a, it can be a struggle for me. Uh, yeah. But, but uh, that wasn't for that one. Yeah, that one was good. But no, I watched this Korean film called I Saw the Devil. Okay. Um, it was. Did you? I did see the devil. I saw actually a lot of violence, a lot of bludgeoning, a lot of, uh, I think in the first 10 minutes, there's a dismembering scene. I wasn't ready for that. It made me feel like a little uneasy, which I don't really? normally get, where I was just kind of like, ugh. I didn't expect something like that to make you uneasy. I know. I, me neither. I think it was just something about the presentation of it. It was just like, geez. I mean, we've um, been on the internet. We've seen some things. I know. I know. Um, but it's it's this guy. He's a serial killer. And he kills women and he ends up killing the the fiance of this like world-class uh detective or like agent or something i don't really remember what his role was and then so he he goes then to track him down he like takes leave from the forest to go like find him and what he does is he gets this pill Uh where he fights the guy he beats him up and he makes him swallow the pill when he's unconscious and he can track him by the pill so whenever the serial killer goes to do something he just like shows up and then beats him up and then like hurts him and then lets him go again. And then he goes and does it again. And he just shows up and he's just like terrorizing him for like <laughs> half the film. And then, you know, at the funny. end there's complications and, you know, he finds about the pill and blah, blah, blah. But it was, it was a very violent movie. I think honestly it was kind of my least favorite part of it. I feel like it did more than was necessary, but I think the way they structured the suspense and stuff was, was actually very good. Like there's moments where I was sitting there, and like my laundry was done. I was like, I don't want to go get my laundry. I need to like see what happens next. Um, so it was good. But if you don't like violence, I would. 
Go around this one. All right. Melees. What have you seen? Um, actually, I, I just remembered a movie that I did watch, but I don't remember the name of it. I'll um, spill your blood on Paradise Square. I'm trying to Google it real quick. Also, Gangs of New York had Brendan Gleeson in it, and he goes, I can't, we, oh, we've never done Brendan Gleeson's voice. I don't think I want to. <laughs> I don't think I can. He's Irish. Okay, okay. It's a movie called Unleashed. Okay. So I watched a movie called Unleashed. It has Morgan Freeman in it. That's like the dogs that bit me. Yeah. Unleashed. So, so this is actually about a guy who is basically like kidnapped as a child and raised as like a fighter. And so whenever his like mob boss owner unclips a collar that he has, oh, so, he goes on a murderous so he's, rampage. He's a literal oh mad dog. God. Yeah. And he befriends a blind Morgan Freeman who plays piano. What? And blind Morgan Freeman like helps free him and then like reunite him with his mother. Okay. It was well, what year was this? Uh, uh roughly. Like was it I'm you know, mid two thousands or nineties. Okay. It came out in two thousand five. Okay. Sixty six percent on Rotten Tomato. Okay. Right. That's about Director Lewis the Terrier? It's no, got Bob Hoskins in it. Oh, which is yes, you know, nice. a man who noise. is going to be in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Noise, noise. Uh, he plays really the he plays the like boss guy. Okay, I was gonna. I can't imagine him being yeah. Uh, Jet Lee. Oh, plays Jet the Lee. guy with the collar. Got it. Makes sense. Um, and then everyone else. I and mean, there's like Harry Condon. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. She's in Banshees of Inisherin. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I don't know who this fucking person is. Just... <laughs> She's nominated for an Oscar. Oh was shit. Was I wild? Yeah. So Unleashed. It's a. It's kind of a. It's a goofy, weird movie about a man who goes on little rampages if you take off his collar, okay. and he falls in love. Is he oh. just like you for real? For He's real? just like me for real. For real. If I don't have my choker, if on, I don't have <laughs> my dog choker with chains. And a little heart on and it. And a woman holding the leash as we go down to 7-Eleven. I'm I, alive. I will murder someone. I will start barking at cars. <laughs> I'm a dog chasing cars. I, I don't know what i do if I actually got one. And with that, and with that, we now close our section of reviewing movies. And we go into talking about the movie. The movie of the episode. Who framed Roger Please. Rabbit? Please, Miles. No question. Who's Mark. going first? No question mark. Stefan is for the first. summary. Okay. Yeah. Wait. Okay. Well, so you actually know about the well, no question mark? A little she bit. Knows, uh, she's popping out some trivia things. Where oh, okay. Yeah. I, I already know a little bit about this movie. Damn. I, I, I've said so it I was going to talk about the question mark. I'm sort of obsessive about this, but I know a bit about the animation director, Richard Williams. We will talk about so Richard Williams. I might, I might have a blurb or two for him, yeah. but. Uh, we found out he voiced one of the characters. I think he voiced Droopy in this, yes. Droopy. Ah, droopy. yes, okay. Droopy. The little elevator dog. Yeah. That's him. Okay. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Okay, so this movie, first of all, it starts off with a little animated intro of Roger Rabbit, who is an animated rabbit, mm-hmm. not yes. Bugs Bunny. And he has this bit where he's got to take care of a baby, whatever. It pulls out. We see that it's a set, and he's filming. They're filming cartoons like real people. Whoa, that's crazy. It's a great intro. And then, yeah, and then it pans around the set, and we, so we establish Roger Rabbit, blah, blah, blah. But more importantly, we see Eddie Valen, right? Valen? Valen. Valen. Valiant. 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 Valiant was Gangs of New York. 
I made I, yeah, made, so a, was, I made a mix up. Um, who's played little, by little Freudian slip? <laughs> gonna, what if Roger that? Rabbit was in Gangs of New York? <laughs> Please don't kill me. I guess he does say that. <laughs> um, but anyways, Bob Hoskins. He's a private detective who lives in beautiful, wonderful Los Angeles with the best public transport. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who needs and, a car? Yeah. Uh, this place is also co-inhabited by cartoons, as as we established. So there's real life cartoons who are invincible but not invincible. I'm sure we'll we'll get into the semantics of how in the world does this world work. Yeah, of, yeah. Like, we'll get what, the what are the socio geopolitical like understandings of this? But anyways, Bob Hoskins, Eddie Valiant is drunk as a skunk and twice as smelly because his brother died by a cartoon who dropped a piano on his head. Mm-hmm. However, he is hired by. Mr. Maroon, to investigate a murder. You see, a man named Acme died, and they believe Roger Rabbit is the prime suspect because Mr. Acme was caught playing Paddy Paddy Cake. Cake, not Paddy Whack. Another nursery rhyme thing. Um, Paddy Cake with his wife, Jessica Rabbit, who is not a rabbit. She is a sexy mink. A mink? (laughs) Minx. 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 <laughs> You're right. Minx. Um, and so, and Bodacious then. Bodacious bod. Eddie, bo da- hourglass. I, her intestines must be a straight tube. Yeah. <laughs> There's no turning and twisting, just straight down like a ferret. Anyways, uh, he starts investigating the crime. We figured out, huh, Roger Rabbit is framed? Who could have guessed? And so some hijinks happen with sexy animated ladies and a very evil man named Judge Doom played by Christopher Lloyd, shows up and does evil things. And then we learn there's a conspiracy and uh, Mr. Maroon gets shot. shot. Mariah, take it away. Yes. So uh, Maroon hired Valiant to take the photos Mm. to basically sober up Roger Rabbit. I I did stuff up by that. Yeah. So then he goes back and he's like, hey, and he's explaining Roger was framed, all that shit. In their office, Maroon gets killed. Um, but he also looks out the window and sees Jessica run away because Jessica has hit Roger Rabbit with a frying pan and taken him. But then they all get captured and they all end up in the Acme factory where Judge Doom appears, which he's also um, been creating this thing called the dip, yeah. which uh, is the way that you can kill a tune. Finally, they he figured out a way mm. where basically it's this green liquid they dip you into and you melt. So... Judge Doom reveals that it, he was behind it all along, and he's going to make highways and byways through Toontown, so he needs to destroy Toontown with his giant machine full of dip that he's going to spray everywhere. And then this giant machine that's going to spray dip everywhere starts spraying it everywhere, so Valiant is stopping it. He steamrolls Doom. Actually, Doom kind of steamrolls himself. Then mm. And he goes... And then, oh no, he's alive, which means he's a tune. Judge Doom was a tune all along, and he's oh. actually the tune that killed Eddie Valiant's brother. I killed your brother. I sounded just like this. Dagger eyes. <laughs> anyway, so then he gets dipped. Eddie <sighs> saves the day. Movie over. Yes. And, and the he whole kisses thing, Roger Rabbit on the mouth. And the whole With thing tongue. has been mm-hmm. trying to find the will and testament of Acme. Where he left Toontown to the Toons, and then they finally find it at the end. And they get the which was crazy to think that Toontown they didn't didn't own, belong that, to that them. Really, yeah, yeah. Again, 
factoring the in the, the socio-economic politics of Toontown. Yeah. Um, but that was a pretty in-depth... All that to say... That, that was very in-depth. All that to that say, was much more in-depth than yes, I thought it was going to be. I I touched on more details than I thought I would. Yeah. But anyway, that's Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Well, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is a wonderful movie. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. It's actually a brilliant movie. It's bloody brilliant, mate. That movie... And we're going to jump right into things. Sweet. That's fine. Who as long as it's not dip. Censored Roger Rabbit. Mm. Do you guys know of this? Yes. I know a little bit. I know that much. You know that much. I know who censored Roger Rabbit is Exists. important. Like that that's a thing involved somehow. I don't really know much about it. Who censored Roger Rabbit was an unfinished manuscript by a man named Gary K. Wolfs. Uh well. Gary K. Wolf. It was his the Gary K. Wolf's manuscript. Got it. And we're gonna I'm gonna go in a little in depth because this is where the idea of who framed Roger Rabbit comes from. So who censored Roger Rabbit? It's like it's actually kind of like oddly complicated. Okay, so effectively, there are no the, the tunes aren't like cartoon characters. There's mm. no cartoons. They're okay. comic strip characters, mm. oh. and they only speak through word bubbles. <laughs> and these word bubbles don't go away. So they effectively are trash. They litter the streets. Oh. They're in gutters and alleys. And, and Roger Rabbit okay. is killed. So Roger Rabbit mm. dies, and they're using his word bubbles um, <laughs> as ways to try to figure out how, how he was murdered because okay. he was okay. shot. Funny. And so Eddie Valiant is going around trying to figure out who killed Roger Rabbit. And he goes to his ex-wife, Jessica Rabbit. He goes to effectively Maroon, who is actually like two different people. I can't remember their names, but they're just like stand-ins, essentially. They, they're the people who hired Roger Rabbit. So he goes to them. He asks them questions. And they all ask him to find this kettle, essentially. And they're like, well, we'll give you a bunch of money if you find this kettle. And then he runs into Roger Rabbit. Oh, what? What? <gasps> So in this world, Toons can make doppelgangers of themselves, themselves called Dopplers, because they they are more than capable of dying. So they create these copies of themselves to do all of the really crazy, crazy stunts that would kill you. They only last so long. So Eddie Valiant runs into a Doppler of Roger Rabbit, and he's like, I am going to solve who murdered you, essentially. And so they're going around. And a bunch of shenanigans happens, and they Eddie eventually finds out Roger Rabbit killed the two executives that had hired him uh, because they had gotten um, Jessica Rabbit to cheat on Roger and leave him. So he kills them, and he's going to frame uh, Eddie Valiant for the murder. Yikes. But... He's the bad guy? Yeah, but... He is murdered by a genie who is inside the kettle. Logic. Logical. And the kettle is basically telling Eddie after, um, you know, some shenanigans that his, like, code to activate him is this child's tune that Roger would sing. Roger had accidentally activated this genie twice in order to get Jessica Rabbit to be his wife and to get a job in comic strips. And then on the third time, he accidentally summons the genie. The genie kills him because the genie's been around for so long, he's become disillusioned with humanity, and he just wants to murder people. 
Huh. And I mean, so, I get it, but yeah. And so Eddie holds him over some salt water, which is apparently this genie's fucking weakness. And he's like, "Give me proof of everything." The genie gives him proof. Eddie drops him in the salt water, killing him, and then brings wow. all this to light. And that's it. Wow. So this manuscript, uh, which is obviously very different from yeah. the mm-hmm. Who Framed Roger Rabbit that mm-hmm. we know of, pretty more, much more complicated. Far more complicated. Really, the only thing that's kept is Eddie Valiant, Roger Rabbit, and Jessica. Jessica Rabbit. Those are the only people that like actively come over to the next movie. But this is this unfinished manuscript uh, is presented to the Disney president Miller, uh, Miller, the president of Disney at the time. Miller and Disney. This is in 1981. So Disney's in a huge slump right now. Right, the only movie that they've created that has Ooh. kind of come back from you know the cost of making it made a profit is The Rescuers, mm. uh, and so Miller believes that what Disney needs is more adult movies, but not the kind of adult movies that you're thinking of, Stefan. Uh, I'm sorry, I was Jessica Rabbit is just bouncing around in my brain right now. Yeah, I also want to say it's very funny where I think Disney's. Well, no. I feel like in the animation department, their philosophy is the opposite now, hmm. where they don't, like, animation-wise, I feel like they don't want to do adult stuff. But they have the shows, I suppose, that are a little more adult-oriented. Anyways. Yeah, but this was like, they were like, I will do fucking anything to make a profit. I'll take anyone's belt off for this. I need this money. I need it. Give me please. Give me the money. Give me the money. I need it. So Miller believes that, that who censored Roger Rabbit is the key. It's what's going to bring Disney out of its rut. Jar Jar is the keynote. So he creates Touchstone Pictures to <gasps> produce this movie. Uh, and then is promptly ousted by Disney and uh, fired. Mm. They and, like to do that. Yeah. And so when he's ousted, you know, the, the project just sits on the shelves for like several years. And the project is eventually seen by Michael Eisner, who picks it up. And he goes, oh, this is kind of weird. I don't, I don't know about this. Let me give it to a friend of mine. I can get some opinions from him. And that mm-hmm. friend is Steven Spielberg. Ooh, I, I felt Who? it coming. Steven, Steven Spielberg? My uncle, mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg. Creator of, of... He owns Microsoft. Back to the past? Oh, Forward okay. to the past? Forward to the past. Time. He also did. <laughs> he, made, he, made the, he made the movie... Um, Real time. <laughs> Real time. Where it's just unbroken time and just you just see time progress. Normally. No traveling through no, it except for the normal like, pace uh, that we it's go just at. It's a shot of like a rock under the sun and you see the mm-hmm. sun go down. No, Steven Spielberg made Back to the Future. He made Back to Got you guys. Got him. <laughs> Fucking got him. Idiots. You fools. You believed he us. So maybe Ready Player One. He's also done a few other things. Yeah. Now, he's Steven Spielberg. So anyway, Steven Spielberg is like, yo, this shit. This shit kind of cute. I like this. You kind of, you kind of cute. You kind of cute. Oh my god! What are you doing after this, Roger Rabbit? Mmm, Eddie Valiant. Oh my god! Take your shirt off again. Rabbit, get out of here. Can we talk about Eddie Valiant's hairy rug body? (laughs) He looks like a gorilla. Yeah, he's a gorilla. He's a wise man. He's like he's gorilla toad shape. He's like a short, stout, built little gorilla. He's a brick. He is a fucking brick. Brick shit house. 
<laughs> like it had a shot on his back and there's like a lot of hair yeah and then it changed a different angle so you could like see it like going you, through you the, can see it in the light <laughs> you can see like the the rim light like shining through his hair like when my cat sits under the sun oh my, oh my goodness he's too busy to shave he's a busy boy he's got a drink he's, he's got too much alcohol drinking yeah a brother's to uh lament but steven spielberg is like this shit pretty fire i want this uh on my plate and i'm gonna do it in collaboration with my studio amblin yeah so this is a touchstone amblin production who would have thought amblin would be popping up as much yeah we did. and steven spielberg is like you know who i want to be the director of this because i'm gonna be the executive producer bobby bobby the oh robert his his young protege that he's oh. bringing up that he's he's stretching out Oh, Robert, I knew you And making you'd be tall. Back. Who directed Back to the Future? Mm-hmm. He did, yeah. Back to the Futures. And Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. Mm-hmm. And the recent Pinocchio. And Pinocchio. Mm. The Uh-oh, Office Smash Pinocchio. Yeah, not the oh, good no. one. The Polar Express. Holy Smokio. Pinocchio. Pinocchio. <laughs> Holy Smokio. If you've seen. Yeah. I will buy you rice from Japan. And, and it will be good. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll think it is you'll good. Think it is good. I had Tom Hanks there, like a little. Did you hear it? A tiny bit. Kind of yeah. in the throat. Anyway, Bob Zemeckis. Yeah, Bob Zemeckis. Bob Zemeckis, my other uncle. You have some good uncles. <laughs> I know. How the? F- Why are you being a podcast person <laughs> they don't when like you me. could be? You could have nepotism to the asshole. I burned those bridges a long time. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, too many. Like, oh, Stefan, come here, sit in this film strip. And I pulled him out like a little gremlin. I lit him on fire and I <laughs> burned the building back down. To the future. I burned Back to the Future 4 oh, while they were shit. editing it. Yeah, we don't talk about it. Robert Zemeckis looks at who censored Roger Rabbit and they're like, okay, this shit kind of... A little light bulb pops above his head. Kind of bad. They get, stinky. they get, and don't laugh. Okay. Don't laugh. They get Peter S. Demon, who is the screenwriter. Don't laugh. His last name's not funny. Seaman's not funny. But yeah, he he creates who framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, just a little side note. That's it. That's all we're gonna hear of him. Thank you. Because other than actually writing it, thank you, you for everything you've done. Thank you Seaman. for your service. I thank wouldn't you be service. here if it weren't for you, Seaman. Thank you, Seaman. Robert Zemeckis. Bobby Zemeckis. Bobsters. Mm-hmm. The Bob. The Bobbert. Bobbert. <laughs> Bobbert. Bobbert. Bobbert Zemeckis. Bobbert Zemeckis. Number 15, <laughs> Bobbert Zemeckis. The last thing you expect yeah. from an animated movie <laughs> is Bobbert Zemeckis, <laughs> but it turns out it might be what you get. <laughs> Bobbert Zemeckis is like, yo, yo, we are going to film this like it is any other movie because there's an unspoken rule when you're mixing media. Mm-hmm. And that is, for the love of God, please, oh God, please, for Christ himself, don't move the camera. Lock that mm. shit down. We don't want it moving. That yes. shit's scary. Mm-hmm. Because when you're... This is in an age before computers. So tracking stuff has to be done by hand, by humans, yes. with their stupid little meat brains. It is very... Imagine, imagine they say, okay, animate the shot. All right. And then the camera's moving. And so you, you have to animate a moving character proportionately to the shot as the camera's moving. Mm-hmm. It's scary. And they're rotating. And it's a rotating and the like animating a character on its own doing anything, like jumping around or rolling around is difficult. And then be like, okay, now we're gonna move the camera. It's like Yeah. It's um, tricky. And 
I'm trying to find. I wrote it down, but I wrote it down and kind of. Okay. So they get our boy, Richard Williams. Mm. Our fucking boy. Our boy. And our, our boy. Man. When they're talking to him about, you know, all the stuff they want to do, basically, Richard Williams is like, hey, I am your pencil. You tell me what to draw, I draw it. And in an interview, he was talking about how uh, a lot of people didn't want to do shots with motion in it when they're mixing medias. And when asked why, he says, because they're lazy. We're supposed to be able to turn things in every direction. That's our job. And they ask me, well, isn't that a lot of work? And he goes, yes, twice as much work. But it's our job. Um, if you mind, let me jump on Richard Williams a little bit. Go, he was go for a it. fantastic animator, like masterclass animator. Um, and I, I, I've done a little reading on him here and there. And he was, he felt like compelled to animate. Like it was like his spiritual journey to animate. And he was like, animation is, because he wanted to be a painter. But every time he painted, he was like, my images want to move. I want them to move. And so he's like, I wanted to be like Rembrandt and all these other artists and like make these paintings. But he's like, I need them to move. They need to move. And that was just like his goal in life was to just animate. And he was phenomenal at it. Yeah, you very good. Very good. And so Roger Rabbit comes from this man's brain. And so when he's creating Roger Rabbit, what the fuck are you doing? Comes from his brain? He comes from his brain? So did he do the character design? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yes. He wanted Roger Rabbit to feel familiar right? right because he's supposed to represent cartoon characters mm -hmm. so when he's creating this character he's like okay we're gonna give him mickey mouse's gloves um okay. he, we're gonna give him kind of the cheeks and ears of bugs bunny mm -hmm. the clothes of goofy mm -hmm. we're gonna give him you know all these things that other characters are known for and kind of merge them all together and one thing he did to make Roger Rabbit likable from the start is color code him to the American flag. <laughs> so you'll know he is a white rabbit with red overalls, red overalls. and a blue bow tie. Mm. Just ingrained patriotism. Patriotic. Yeah. They, they, were, they were capitalizing on my ingrained yeehaw! Right? It's go mutton. Yay, yay. God bless. I need, I need me some dip in my mouth. That was the ricochet. Ooh, very good. Thanks. I figured because this is a cartoon movie, we should do a lot of sound effects. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we should get you a soundboard. We should. Oh, that would be awful, <laughs> actually. I think. Okay, I can tell you right now, my favorite sound effect from this movie was um, there's a bit where whenever Roger Rabbit drinks alcohol, he like explodes and freaks out and like shoots off. Uh -huh. There's a bit where he drinks alcohol and then his eyes pop open and it's just this really realistic like balloon popping sounds like. <laughs> This his eyes just like, pop open. I I liked it. <laughs> That's all. If you guys have any favorite sound effects, uh, I I like the boing sound when Eddie hits Jessica Rabbit's boobs. I was I like the boing sound I made when I saw Bob Hoskins without a shirt on. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Thanks, thanks. Well, our boy Richard Williams mm -hmm. has now created Roger Rabbit, and it's time Birth. to figure out if this shit even works. Yeah. Uh, they knew from the start that it's not funny if the tunes can't interact with the real world. Mm -hmm. So they were like, it, the, the, it's not there if they can't move boxes and trip over things and hold guns and mm -hmm. do all this other stuff. Like if they 
are submerged in water. They spit up water. That's what they like. They can't. Right. They can't be pushed under a sink of real water and then spit out toon water. It just doesn't work. It's mm-hmm. not funny. So they do a test animation. And this test animation is a shot of Eddie Valiant walking down uh, a flight of stairs, followed by Roger, who then crashes at the bottom and runs into a bunch of boxes and moves a trash can and all this. And then Eddie Valiant grabs him and puts him on a trash can. And he's kind of like wiggling around on the trash can for a little bit. And then he jumps off and runs off screen and Eddie follows him. They're looking at it and, you know, they do all the motion and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And they're like, this is amazing. And they show it to some of the executives at Disney. And the executives at Disney are like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) They, They thought, one of the executives thought that they had a dude in a rabbit costume. Excuse me. Yeah, they were like, looked that good, or not that well because they had never seen the media mixed this way. I see. The only other thing that they have had reference for is Cool World. Yeah. Okay. And if you're watching, if so, quick note: Cool World is effectively a lot like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but instead of cartoons in our world, is a guy going into the cartoon world. Mm. But he is very kind of separate from this world. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess Mary Poppins is also another thing. Oh yeah, yeah. That has happened. Yeah, right. By this point, because she also goes into a, uh-huh. a tune world, but they never touch each other. And no. when the tune is actively touching, like the main character in Cool World, he's not moving. Like his clothes aren't right. being folded. Like when Jessica Rabbit is like he's like Jessica Rabbit picks up his in tie, his yeah he's in his shirt, picks his tie, like grabs his hat. She's doing all this other crazy mm-hmm. shit. Um, that has never happened before. Yeah. Yeah, I was talking with Mariah um, about how just like one of a kind this movie is, like in, in, in the way they did it. I feel there really is nothing else like it. I mean, yeah, yeah, you have some movies where maybe they have moments where they mix media like that, but it's like to the extent that they do it here is just unique and they amazing. They tried with the new Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie, I'd, Garbage. Well, I'd say Space Jam oh. is pretty similar. Oh, Space Jam, it would be the other right. one. Right. Yeah. Okay. But it's again, I don't feel like Space Jam. It didn't do it to this extent. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's not as yeah. Space Jam's still fun though. It can be. Yeah, Roger Rabbit is obviously mm. phenomenal. Anyway, yeah. basically, the executives are like, "Yeah, of course, we're making this movie, right? This is going to happen." So everybody meets in San Francisco at the ILM headquarters, and they're kind of talking over what they need to do in order to make this movie. And this comes in to Ken Ralston, the visual effects coordinator. Uh, who was kind of in charge of making sure that these two worlds blend together. Okay. Yeah. There's really a lot of planning involved, huh? A whole lot of planning. Because every character movement needs to have a real-world counterpart that has not been done yet. So, like, animation is done afterwards. Mm -hmm. So they need to know before shooting what the animated characters are going to be doing in every single shot to make, basically, robots to move the thing they got to have a lot that. of foresight. Yeah. That's where storyboarding comes in, and they storyboarded mm-hmm. the hell out of this movie, but... Got to have a lot of foresight, four eyes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I so, stinker. Ain't I a stinker? That's good. That was good. That's good. Hey. Gorge. Gorge. That's goofy. Gorge. Gorge. And then Tom and Jerry goes... And Donald Duck goes. That's the oh, that's really good. I think we have a future in voice acting, boys and uh, girls. Uh huh. Yes. Oh. I'm not one of the boys. Uh huh. 
I'm sorry, boys? Thank you. Fellas? Guys. Men. men. Not that we're men. Not that we're men. Not that we're manly men. Okay. So, <laughs> they go over all of the things that they need to do for this movie. And Ken Ralston doesn't really remember much of the meeting itself uh, in interview. He does, however, remember the massive headache it gave him <laughs> while he was thinking everything over at the airport, trying to come back to L.A. Okay. But now we're into production. And production. production is constantly on the edge of failure. Because this movie is going to cost a lot of money. <laughs> that's where I, that's where I live, man. The only reason this movie got to where it is is because of the names of people behind it. So, gotcha. you know, yeah. Steven Spielberg. Spielberg. Bobbert. Uh, Rob Bobbert. Bobbert Zemeckis. Bobbert Zemeckis. Bob Hoskins. Uh, yeah. These are, whenever the movie is in jeopardy, these are the people who go and they're like, look, we're in this movie. It's going to be good. Trust us. Let us do our fucking thing and give us more money. And so they kind of help keep the movie afloat. Oh, give us money. During this, they realized something very important, and that would be eyeliner. Mm. Yeah. Yes. There was a very specific moment I was remarking that when Roger Rabbit is on the bed in Eddie Valiant's room. When he room, first like when, shows up. When Robert, when Robert, when Roger first shows up with Eddie in his office, mm -hmm. and it, there was a bit where you could really tell Eddie was looking like a little, a little too high. But yeah. So that's all. In mm -hmm. a memo. From August 19th, 1987. Uh, it is from a guy named Dick, who I think is like one of the, the higher ups. It just says like dash Dick at the very end. Dick so I don't, I don't know exactly who. Yeah, maybe Dick Seaman. You didn't find that one very Do you have funny. any thoughts about Dick Seaman? Do you have any right? thoughts about Dick Seaman? He's got no thoughts. Well, isn't Robert short for like. No, it's Richard. Richard? Richard. Oh, I think there is someone named Richard. Richard, yeah, who we just talked about. Who? Williams. Oh, Richard Williams. Yeah. Right, okay. So this is a note from him, maybe Richard Williams, then, because okay. okay. if he shortened it to Dick, then this is definitely him. Okay. Also, Look this at is that. this is out. A, a note about eyeline animation, so it's most definitely Richard. But he goes <laughs> to all animators, all assistants, and all in betweeners. Mm. A major problem has just leapt out to our face. I'm sorry, I read that wrong because I'm bad. Uh, Hold on, I want to jump in real quick, okay. uh, just to, just for audiences who don't know, an in betweener in animation. Um, generally when they animate, they do keyframes, which is where you draw kind of the this really significant motions of an animation. And then the in-betweeners come in and fill the spaces in between. Yes. I don't really Because having your key animators do every frame would suck. Yeah. Just in case you don't know the what, what's the terminology? Line. Line. It's a line when you the flow, the pipe the pipeline pipe of animation. Pipeline of animation. Ooh, you know what it. you just reminded me of in Clue? Goes, yes. There were, there, were, there were flames, flames on, yeah. the, on the side of my face. All right, sorry to interrupt. Okay. So a memo from Richard Williams. <laughs> a memo from Richard Williams to all animators, all assistants, and all in between. A major problem has just leapt out to face us. The eyelines between cartoon characters and live action ones are proving incredibly critical. And then in parentheses, no wonder Mary Poppins was awful in this regard. Ooh. The Boom, whole <laughs> the whole trick is blown if the cartoon person disconnects himself from the live actor's eyeline. It seems that only two or three frames wrong is all that is needed to blow this illusion. Uh, this obviously has never been faced or solved properly before, and somehow we have to. Damn. And so going into production, one of the ways that they're kind of trying to figure out how to solve this eyeline problem are big old rubber versions of all the cartoon characters. <laughs> mm. So the first run through 
of every take is done with the actors talking to these life-sized rubber version this is like a really interesting sort of foreshadow to how they work with cgi stuff now yeah they have like tennis balls or like a kind of makeshift suit for them to look at mm-hmm. yeah so this is like like um in star wars episode one where they have they had to give jar jar like the visor and the mm-hmm. fake head for eyeline this is like yeah. yeah it's where that came from but so they have all the rubber characters you know jessica rabbit um who got to take that home? <laughs> God. Jessica Rabbit, Roger Rabbit, all the weasels, all those people are basically like rubber versions. Mm, did they and make one for Bob? They did not because he's a real person. Mm, yeah, I would love that. Mm-hmm. Standing oh. in my shower. Ooh, shirtless Bob. What are you doing in my shower? <laughs> Let me get your back did hair. Did you comb? <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of Bob, speaking of our boy, he was not. The first option. Hmm. He was not yeah. the first one they went to. They went to Bill Murray. That Ooh. makes sense to me. So they went to Bill Murray, who did not know that they went to him because he was on the set of Ghostbusters at the time. Mm. And when they called the production, they never gave him the message. Oh, God. And oh, Bill Murray pissed Interesting. when the movie came out and he found out. He was yeah, like, I can you imagine. fuckers ruined me. Um, huh. And... According to Robert, uh, the hell? <laughs> Robert Schneckensbergs, <laughs> who, who did the big bad book of Bill Murray. Okay. Uh, he was saying how Bill Murray was like, I would have loved to have this role, and they fucked me by not telling me about it. And yet he hated Garfield. Hmm, funny. He hated Garfield. Funny. Uh, Bill Murray, I'm sorry, not Bill Murray, Eddie Murphy oh. was also optioned to be eddie valley a different mur yeah uh he just outright turned it down uh and is very regretful of having done so mm. yeah now that the movie has come out um that's like when uh, yeah i do think bob fits the sort of new york detector better yeah but it would have been interesting like the comedic beats like bill murray would have probably had some goofy deliveries and stuff bill murray i think i think he's a little too goofy but I, yeah, but that's I what so. I'm thinking is like I think he's maybe a little too. Yeah, I think Eddie Valiant needs to be. He's like a straight man. Yeah, and he hates tunes. So he's like... mm-hmm. It's kind of like in the Muppets Christmas Carol how Michael Caine yes. plays it so straight against all of the yeah. Muppets. Mm-hmm. Um, so it works. It works, it works really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think they really nailed it with Bob Hoskins. Mm-hmm. Bob Hoskins and all the other cast, by the way, had to go to mime school. Makes because sense. they need to know how to fake lifting something heavy, right? Yeah. They can't just go, I'm swinging around a rabbit. You know, they got to like, it has to have weight. They have to push things that aren't real and hold fake guns. And... I just have to not take my medication. Yeah. That easy. Boom. Just whenever miss... I don't take my medication, a giant box just appears in the room. <laughs> and you open it up. And what comes out of that box, Stefan? <clears throat> well, it's this big ball. It's got a lot of hair on it. It has... Big bare feet and these long, slender bare arms, and that's it. It's just a hairy ball with legs and arms, and it runs around and goes. I've seen it. Me and him take the same medication. Mm-hmm. Yep. And sometimes we just skip out on it for fun, just to see the ball mm-hmm. run around. And then it crawls in my hair and jumps on the back of a coyote and it runs around. Yeah. <laughs> Is this the Tasmanian Devil bit? Are you doing the Tasmanian? No, he's doing a bit from the 2006 movie Barnyard. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> 
Holy crap. And the only reason I know that is because it was on the TV this morning. I, I, yeah, yeah I'm remembering yeah, that guy. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I fucking love that guy. I don't know. How yeah, to... Biggie great. Cheese. It's not Biggie Cheese, no, but Biggie but Cheese it's is in also. That, like, segment, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> Mime School. Mime School. Uh, Bob Hoskins was talking about how difficult it was to pretend that things are there because you have to, like, focus your eyes on a space where nothing's there. Yeah. He's like, okay, I can put my hand out in front of me. But the second I take it away, your focus goes away too. And you can see when someone's like eyes are focused in, in the mm-hmm. wrong spot. Mm-hmm. So he's talking about how like, you know, it's, it's hard, but I'm fucking Bob Hoskins. I'm I got the man. I'm the man with the hairy back. I'm the man. Rip Bob Hoskins, by the way. Mm. What? He's dead. He's dead? Yeah. Oh, cow a bummer. <laughs> Rip. Bob Hoskins into he was great in Hook. I love him in Hook. He was in Hook. He plays Shmi. Ah. Where he and Dustin Hoffman agreed that Captain Hook and Shmi were lovers. Ooh, <laughs> nice. You know who else is lovers? Bob Hoskins and Christopher Lloyd. Mm-hmm. Ooh, steamy. Christopher Lloyd. I have one fact about him, other than he did very good in this role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Motherfucker doesn't blink. The whole time he doesn't blink. Okay. Well, he's wearing glasses half the time. Half the time, yeah. But he's not even blinking behind the glasses. Because he says, I just felt a tune doesn't have to blink. Their eyes, they. I'm sorry. I'm so bad at reading. (sighs) That'll be one lashing. What about the other time? Um, That'll be off the podcast. Oh, okay, cool. Christopher Lloyd said, I just felt a tune doesn't have to blink their eyes to re-moisten their eyeballs. They're not human. So I just felt Judge Doom should never blink. It makes him even more ominous, more scary. If he's just looking like that, it wasn't really difficult. It just, I just keep my eyes open as long as I could try to time it out with the next take and all that. It was cool. I just <laughs> like to find things that make him even more evil. And that was that. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. He should have had. <laughs> That's a cool little He tidbit. should have worn a, mm-hmm. a red armband. <laughs> yeah. He should have had a little mustache too. Yeah. That made him pretty evil. Yeah. He also put a lot of length into making sure that it, like you know what would have been really evil uh-huh yeah if he if he killed all the jews wanted well i was gonna say if he wanted to just put freeways everywhere oh that'd yeah that'd be like just straight up dastardly yeah that would be really be evil despicable if 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 someone came in and they saw the the trolley cars and the public transportation mm-hmm. of uh, 50s la and they said let's get rid of that and add a bunch of freeways that would be awful and i can't imagine living yeah. in a world like that living in a world where a corporation run by really despicable people would demolish a public transit system to build freeways so that they could make money would be really inhumane. I couldn't live in a world like that. I think I would kill myself if I lived mm-hmm. in a world like that. Mariah, what do you think? I agree. Yeah. yeah. It sucks. Yeah. And they actually did put a lot of effort in making sure that this movie uh, kind of mirrored and reflected the actual events of uh, one of the worst things to happen to L.A., yeah, it, it was funny. I didn't know when he's like, oh, it's LA. It's got the best public transportation. I didn't know if that was a joke or if that was actually what they thought. No, the that was, yeah. But, and then, who needs a car in LA? Who needs a car? Everybody. Yeah. And then corrupt systems ruined it for all of us. There was a Toontown. It existed. If you go into public libraries and go into the dark corner where you have to go, you pick out the book and then and dust flies off and you, and, and you open it up. It goes, Toontown was real. They demolished it. We live in the bad universe. 
My mouth is agape. This is the bad place. This is the bad place. And then a man comes up behind you and goes, you know too much, and then shoots you in the back of the head. And you go, knew too much, but you see the reflection in your watch, so you duck quick and you you, you jab him. Okay. I, I could have gone on longer with that, but I'm going to stop there. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Lloyd also said that all the VFX in the world couldn't fix not thinking that Roger Rabbit was there. He's like, if I don't believe that Roger Rabbit's in front of me, Mm. everyone's going to be able to tell. And there's, there's no amount of visual effects that's going to fix it. So he gave himself schizophrenia. I was, gonna, I was actually just going to say, I was like, I wonder if you, if you spend so much time sitting there believing something that's not there is there, if when you go home, it, you still like will see it or but think Bob, it's there. Actually, Bob Hoskins and had I was that like, yeah, I, I wonder if you can just think yourself schizophrenia. <laughs> Some of the cast members did. Damn. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of the cast, the crew, the wonderful characters, some of them, we're cartoon members, cartoon mm-hmm. characters. Mm-hmm. Bring in Ooh, Carl Charles Flazier. Charles Flazier. Carl Charles Flazier. Carl Charles Flazier. No, just Charles Flazier. He played Roger Rabbit. Mm-hmm. Please, 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 Eddie. Please. I'm, I'm whining, Eddie. Please, Eddie. I don't want to see your black hair. So Charles was always on set. They so rarely did like in-studio voiceovers. Mm-hmm. They just wanted the characters to be there and talk to them. And I was going to ask you that. Yeah, actually be on set. So they would always do a run through with the rubber dolls and a run through with the actual voice actors. Uh, Charles was a bit of a kooky guy. Mm. <laughs> Silly boy. Kooky. You ever seen the movie Roger Rabbit? That's based you on I don't know how I got the character. I wore a giant roger rabbit suit is this true yes <laughs> he would wear a costume of roger rabbit whenever he was on the job okay and there were times when they would go get food at the commissary and he would hear people going like like do you fucking see this man in the rabbit costume he's working on who framed roger that movie's gonna fucking suck that's the costume they got for him Oy, oh that movie's gonna suck but uh no he was actually just doing that because he's a goofy little guy and he would I relate. Yeah. When he was actually like when they were actually filming, they would put him in a little trailer with a video of what was going on and he would just like say his lines into a mic and then that would be a loudspeaker onto the actual set so that he would like kind of be there. And he coined the term transprojectional acting. Huh. Hmm. Projecting okay. yourself onto set. Like a like a spirit. Yeah. Like a little ghost. Ghost. And now we can get into some of the wonderful work that George Gibbs did. George Gibbs was the mechanical effects supervisor. Okay. This man, God bless his soul, put a lot of effort into making sure that everything was awesome. Uh, Every, and I just want to go over, literally everything the tunes touch has some kind of mechanical contraption to make it move. Mm -hmm. So every fucking... So it's all him? Damn. Well, it's not all like George Gibbs. Like he has a team. Well, yeah. But he's the mechanical supervisor. So it is kind of all going through him. So and fucking Roger Rabbit grabs a drink and like tosses it back. It's a little fucking machine that is made to grab a drink and then toss it back. And when he's crashing plates on his head or hitting boxes or holding a gun. Actually, when they're holding guns, it's puppeteers. But Mm. um, he's making all of these animatronics and, and Baby Sherman's arm for instance, when he's mm, holding like a the, real the cigar. Yeah. yeah, that is a robot, robot arm the size of Sherman's arm, controlled by a copycat system uh, that a puppeteer has. So it's on his arm and he's you know, oh, pretending that he has a stogie. With his arm. With his arm. That's cool. 
and then the little baby Sherman arm like copies what mm. he's doing. Gotcha. And I don't know. I just really just the effort they went that through really to combine yeah. these two worlds. Well, yeah. are you gonna talk about the bit? The what is it? A diner? A club? The with the the penguin servers? Like how they're on little rods? Yeah. The stage? Yeah, that's all. Oh yeah, that was just like a really impressive scene. Yeah. Um, so when the when the penguins are serving and they have those little you know their little real dishes. That is effectively an elevated stage, much mm-hmm. like you would find on the Gremlins or the Muppets. The Muppets. Oh. And there's just a dude running underneath the stage. And there's like a slit down the middle of the pathway. Like a little track for him. Yeah. And he's got like this rod that he, that's sticking up through it with the dishes at the very end. And he's just like, you know, walking around through it. Um, and those dishes have like actual glasses on them full of stuff, yeah. which is just like good balance, like good work from him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Congratulations, you did it. Some other things, the octopus that has all the mixed drinks the and all bartender. that. Oh, yeah. yeah. They didn't want to use any mechanics for him because they wanted him to feel very flowy. Right. So that is all the work of puppeteers um, okay. doing all the glasses. The he's, he's easy. Like, because something I was thinking about, like when they did the guns, uh-huh. you got to be careful because you got to make sure it's like within arms length. You know, like you got to make sure that when you're puppeting a gun or something in the air, you yeah. got to imagine the character's like arm holding it and you can't put yeah, you it can't, at, like, you can't put like too far up, put it too, too far, far like too close, you know, because yeah. the animators got to like work with that. But mm-hmm. with an octopus, you can kind of do whatever that yeah. you want. Especially like a background kind of octopus, like not a foreground. Yeah. yeah. Um, the gorilla that throws Eddie out of the bar is actually right. just a guy. Okay. That's just a that dude and he's on wires. So, huge. so he yeah. just throws them and they animate over him. Speaking of animating over, Jessica oh. Rabbit has an actual character so when, they, oh, when, when they are having jessica rabbit go down the stage they're mm. like okay we want people to like actually be horny <laughs> right uh because they don't want to required for the film yeah it's required for the film for them to be horny and mm. so they got effectively like models okay to pretend to be jessica rabbit going down the stage so that you know everyone <laughs> go oh my god oh boy mama mommy I know one of the things that I remember reading about that was they didn't have the character designed yet fully, I think. Yeah. And so Bob Hoskins basically was told, or maybe he did this by himself, that it was just like literally just picture your like sexual fantasy. And he was like, got it. And so that's why he's like drooling. He's doing that. And then when he saw the character of Jessica Rabbit, he's like, oh, that's like more than I was thinking. (laughs) Yeah. So Richard Williams, good old dick. Good old dick. Uh, he had a, a philosophy with this movie where if you're going to do it animated, you're only going to do it animated because you want to do something that you can't do in the real world. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> when he was making Jessica Rabbit, he was like, okay, I want to make someone whose proportions are just fucking silly. Because you- Absurd. Just absurd because you, you can't have these just dumb, dumb, stupid things happen with real people. Hourglass. So he, he makes the joke that like, yeah, of course, if she was real, she'd die instantly. She'd snap in half. The closest mm. comparison I have to Jessica mm. Rabbit would be like Dolly Parton. Yeah. Which, you know, Dolly Parton, she sings well. She got big hair. She got big. Yeah. Yeah. She, her hair. hair is what's really big. Mm. You know, big hair. I don't date women unless I can wrap my pinky around their waist <laughs> and hold them like a cigarette and pick them up with my <laughs> two fingers. And, Mm-hmm. It's safe to say I've not I've not found a woman yet. Aw, well maybe if I you, should go to Toontown. If well, if you stop taking your medication, maybe you can get a girlfriend. That's what right. I did. Um, 
You think they're looking for people in Toontown? Yeah. yeah they have tuned t- Tinder. Tunder? 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 Probably. I don't see why not. Um, hold on. Okay. Roger Rabbit, smash or pass? Pass. Roger Rabbit? He's too annoying. Yeah, pass. Um, Robin Hood. Smash. <laughs> smash? <laughs> okay. Smash. Okay. That's all. That's all I wanted from you guys. Mm-hmm. What about you? <laughs> Mickey Mouse? <laughs> no, to both of them. Smash or pass? Oh, it's met, uh, Roger and Robin. Roger Rabbit. Uh, smash or pass? Pass. Robin Hood. Pass. What, you're not a furry? Not for that one. No. <laughs> um, ma- uh, Maiden. <laughs> Maiden. Yeah. Mary? Is Mary? Maiden Marion. Maiden Marion. We could talk after. Okay. Yeah. I might. Um, and so, actually, this is really important. Okay. Let's so, see. when they were uh, doing stuff with Jessica Rabbit, they had 34 key rules that they had oh, to follow. 34 <laughs> key rules. And I can't go over all of them. So, if you want, you can just Google. Uh, Jessica Rabbit Rule Thirty Four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do that. Do that. Um, uh, and you'll get these really cool <laughs> examples of the thirty-four rules that they used. Right. When it's, it's things you know. Some of them are are key animating elements. Like you know, you got to stretch. You got to squish. Uh-huh. Um, Jessica Rabbit. You know, she's always six foot something. So you got to make sure you keep the height right. Yeah. So just just go to your computer. Type in Jessica Rabbit Rule Thirty Four. And learn something, you know? Just learn a little bit. Come on, I just did a little Google search. <laughs> I would say Miles was a very good bit. Thank you. The, the, the live action stuff is animated. Not animated. Recorded. Mom, don't look that up. Mom. Mom, don't look that up. <laughs> when they finished recording, it was time to do the animation. Oh. There's animation? There is animation in this movie. Mm. Despite that one executive saying that it was a man in a bun suit. In a little bun bun suit. What are executives on? <laughs> Dude, I swear. They say the strangest thing. It, it, looked, it looked the same, too. It wasn't like a more realistic Roger Rabbit. It was the same Roger Rabbit. Is that a guy in a I don't, I don't get it. Oh, we, need, right. we need more movies with anthropomorphic animals. So, <laughs> Richard so, Williams. Give me my milk. I'm, I'm losing bone structure. I'm melting. My bones are so weak. My jaw's falling apart. When, when Richard Williams was trying to figure out how he was going to make these cartoon characters fit in the real world, he thought of something called 2.5D, mm. uh, which is I effectively think- like giving them a little bit more depth, making them look a little bit more rounded uh, yes. when animating them or drawing a lot them. Of is, there's a lot of good shading. Yes. And they did all this directly onto the film. Well, they, they would do the cells and then they would, you know, photocopy onto the film. Wow. Uh, and so they had standard. A mask is a backlight. So you cut out essentially where Roger's going to be. Mm-hmm. You have a shadow mask on Roger for, you know, the side of his face that's not lit. You have a second shadow mask is a cast shadow on surroundings. So mm-hmm. the shadow being cast onto the floor or onto another actor or something like that you have an interpositive which is basically going to be the highlights of roger where the light is hitting and an articulate mask for any physical interaction this is where you know uh uh eddie's hand would be over his ears or if he's grabbing him or something is supposed to be in front of him that's 
mm-hmm. that mask. And that was on any given one character. So the scene where Eddie is running down uh, the like alleyway mm. and he's getting chased by stuff. I think that has the most cells used. Okay. With over a hundred cells that stacked almost three feet high when all put together. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so obviously they're not like, you know, stacking them all up and then taking the picture. They're, you know, doing one, take the picture, do another, you know, yeah. do all that. But when you stack them all up, it was three feet high. That's a lot. So it was a lot of fucking work. And, and for those who don't know, like a cell is just sort of like a translucent piece of. Yeah. What, like what, celluloid. What, yeah, celluloid. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. That's why I call it a cell. Uh, but yeah, imagine just like a plastic sheet that you can kind of flex around. Yeah. And they, they draw on that and then they use that to, you know, transpose. Yeah. You know, photo, whatever. But those. Those base five are, again, they're the base. They're the lowest possible you can do uh, that they would allow. Come in to the speakeasy scene mm-hmm. the, where they're in the back of the bar and we get Eddie Valiant bumping the lamp. I'm so glad you're talking about this. this so <laughs> there's a solid chance that maybe you have heard of this term before, bumping the lamp. And that comes from this movie because it would have been a lot easier to just have this still light in a scene so that when they're animating Roger Rabbit, they can take a lot more shortcut. Mm-hmm. But they specifically wanted Eddie Valiant to bump his head on this lamp so that it would swing back and forth. And this created a massive problem for anime. <laughs> Every single frame, Roger Rabbit had to have a unique mask made just for that one frame because the lighting has changed. Because the light is moving. So there's the harsh light behind him, and then it backs away, and he's more ambiently lit. It comes up. There's a light behind his ear, and his ear is oh so slightly translucent, so they have to do a kind of translucency pass on it, and they do this for the entire scene where that lamp is moving. And it looks fucking it beautiful. It looks absolutely amazing. And they coined the term bumping the lamp as a way to show that you have put in the extra effort when making something Mm. for you know things that maybe some people don't even notice but it just elevates the whole thing to another level right and to this day this is a term that disney uses when working on projects we're like okay how do we really show that this is you know how do we bump the lamp yeah how do we how do we bump the lamp essentially how do we make this even better than it is and you know, we entirely have Richard Williams to thank for this. The absolute Goat. master of animation. Goat. Goaty. Goated with goaded with the sauce. Uh, now, let me pull up my little... He's goaded with the sauce. Goaded with the sauce. Um, little jump in. Mm-hmm. Are you, are you going to talk about him anymore? No. Richard Williams? I'm going to mention... So Richard Williams, he did this movie. And after he did this movie, he got the permission from Disney to do his own movie afterwards called The Thief and the Cobbler. Uh, which would be stuck in production for like 10 years um, because he, he animated in ones. So he would, he would animate every, every frame. And I think he was, he was shooting for like 30 frames a second. And so he oh, had God. these giant things where he's animating and doing this film. It looks beautiful. It's one of my favorite animated movies. But um, because it took him so long, Disney like seized production and then had animation studios around the world finish it and cut his project and like really just mess it up. But I just want to say props to Richard Williams. Also, RIP, he died a couple years ago. You're the GOAT. 
He was a goat. I wish I could see your movie the way you intended. Yeah. That's all. They got uh, animation students from colleges. They got animators from all across the world to help with Who Framed Roger Rabbit, just doing like backgrounds and other characters and all this jazz. One thing that they ran into was they wanted this world to be populated by a bunch of characters. Uh-huh. They wanted, yeah. they wanted Disney characters. They wanted Warner Brother characters. Gosh. They wanted all these things. And they got into a somewhat heated but eventually cooled off uh, legal battle. Legal battles are favorite. Welcome to the legal battle section of the podcast, guys. Legal battle, Ooh. red tape. Oh. I'm going to sue you. Money. Give me money. It's all about money. We want money. 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 SpongeBob, me boy. Money. Gorge. Yeah, so you will notice whenever a Warner Brothers character is on screen, a Disney character is also on screen because they have to be in the movie at the same time, the same amount of time. So that's why it's Daffy Duck versus Donald. Donald Duck. Very good. Also very good. Plus two to the both of you. Thank you. And that's why Mickey. Bugs Bunny and Mickey are also on the screen mm-hmm. at the same hey, time. stinker. Disney did, however, get the upper hand. Mickey Mouse is on the screen for three extra frames. Oh. oh so they and, cheated. And that made, you know, when we turned this off, I was like, I really want to watch something Disney, Mickey Mouse. Yeah. I don't know why. Subliminal it, it, it mouse. Just the like, mouse. I, I was like, I was, I was going to watch something Looney Tunes, but... After that scene with, with Mickey Mouse, I, I don't know. Like, there's a bug in my brain. Just, I don't know. There's something about that mouse. I, I need there's, more there's of There's a worm in my skin. I need more of that worm. Anyway. On to music. Yo. Alan Silvestri. Oh. My man. We know that name. Really? Yeah, he did yeah. Back to the Future. Oh, shit, really? Yeah, uh, he's, I mean, he's done, he's like, big every Zemeckis oh. movie. Although, as you know, in our last, no, not our last episode, in the No Country episode, Miles says music is his Achilles heel when it, it comes is. to movies. So it is my Achilles heel. That's some takes it took lore for you guys. Yeah. Well, I will say, this movie, I did keep an ear out. Nice. Had the little ear to mm. the ground, because I did this research before I watched it, and I wanted to hear his score of combining cartoon music with the classical noir jazz okay and wow he does a really good job that's good that's good uh he composed a lot of the music except for anything with jessica rabbit oh no music was composed prior to her animation Mm. because uh alan had a jazz band freestyle what the music would be for Jessica Rabbit whenever she was on screen. Okay. So they would play the scene with Jessica Rabbit and the jazz band would just play what they felt was appropriate for the for what was going on. That's sick. I like okay. that. And so all the music was done right then and there. And that's the music they used. That's huh. cool. So whenever you see Jessica Rabbit, just know that those are people just fucking going off. Nice. Wow. Yeah. I like that. Well, I see Jessica Rabbit. I'm going off. Mm-hmm. Same. A what? We're going to boing, go boing, off boing, on Jessica Rabbit. Boing, boing, boing. <laughs> Eyeballs pop out. Heart. Mm-hmm. And then she basses my skull in with a hammer. Oh, you came. 
That's you. Me. That's I, you. I know. It's the Batman. Oh, the Batman. <laughs> totally yeah. Batman. That's right. That was your little letterbox review. Yeah. More takes it took lore. More takes it took lore that I forgot even though I did it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, the movie is made and it's time to show it off before the movie is actually completely made. We're into P production. P production. I'm producing that P right Post. now. Post production. Well, post production happened. This is like post post production. This is like uh, they're showing it off to audiences. Yeah, to get their idea reception. On. Yeah, uh, they go into test screenings, and they're like, "Well, our our movie's baller. This shit fire as hell, Did, fam. This shit is this shit lit, bomb as damn. hell. Damn, no I think, cap. I think I'm gonna hit the grommet on the way out of here, broski. Yeah. Uh huh. Among usly, this movie ain't sus at all. This shit busting no cap. On God, no cap." Uh, as great as our Zoomer talk is, they did show it to 17 and 18 year olds because they thought that it was going to be the key audience. They fucking hated it. <laughs> they walked out in the first three minutes where it's all cartoon. Oh. They got the wrong idea of the movie. They didn't mm. know what it was going to be. And so they were, th- the first three minutes was going on, they fucking flocked out of the movie theater. Oh, okay. In what world would you be like, oh, a test screening for a movie, you get three minutes in, you're like, I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm not going to give it more than three minutes of my time. Really? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Apparently, a lot of the people there were on Kids, dates, too. Teens. There was, like, teens on dates. And, I don't, yeah, I don't know why or in, like, what world they thought it was okay to just fucking leave three minutes in. But it's kind of crazy. I, any movie I watch, I give it. If, if a movie can make me walk out in three minutes, that's amazing. That would be amazing. <laughs> what, what would have to happen? I would have to, like, watch a man actually get shot in the head. And I have to be like, okay, I'm going to walk away from this. <laughs> it would have to be fucking You would have to be bad. Terrible. It would have to say, would, it, uh, uh, the first on. minute would have to be, these are all real people getting killed. And then it would have to go <laughs> in. Because <laughs> at first, I'd be this like, is two hours of war footage of people dying. And yeah. then I'd be like, okay, now I'm going to go. And let me, let me preface this by saying, last night we watched Lyle Lyle Crocodile. And we watched the entire thing. <laughs> oh, God. That was an abysmal movie. I'm top of the world. I'm top of the world. Yeah. Because if, if someone was just shot in the face, I'd be like, wow, this movie's starting off really graphic, but. But good like, a real, like a, yeah, I guess you're right. I wouldn't know if it was real or not. Yeah. If they were like, nope, it's all real. Fucking get ready. Buckle up. And then this they. This is sh- a real man. Here's a, his, his obituary. Um, we have an open <laughs> casket right up at the front of the screen. You can go look at his dead body. This is him getting shot in the head. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, okay, maybe I'm out of here. And then if they said also Lyle Crocodile, they're like, oh, hell, no, no, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Disney was very frightened, and they were like, Robert, they often are. They're like, a, they're like Chihuahua. Yeah, and they sit there and they tremble and they go, <laughs> I don't want to take risk. <laughs> we just gotta, we gotta make a live we action version, sanitize and make everything clean. We just, we just and, to, and digestible we, for we everybody. Need, we need to recreate classics in live action version oh oh more oh (laughs) (laughs) but so they were like bobbert you need to you need to fix this you need to make the movie better our boy bobbert what bobbert got to bobbin he got to bobbin he said no go fuck yourself i have the final say as to what this movie looks like and you can go fuck yourself danger because this movie's fire, and those kids are just stupid. This movie's fire. And as the movie like actually finished and wrapped up, wrapped and they up. were showing it to more and more people, the reception got better and better each time they showed it, until it mm. came to its full release, and it was packing movie theaters. 
left and right because no one had ever seen this shit before. And no one's seen Gorge. it since. And no one has seen uh-huh. it since. I didn't actually watch it. I did watch it, but you know, for the sake of the bit, I didn't. Miles read. I read a transcript it. of the movie. Yeah. Uh, Bob Hoskins said that it was the first movie he could take his kids to the premiere for. Oh, that's fun. And it was the proudest he had ever felt. Mm. His kids did not feel the same way. Oh. His kids refused to talk to him for months. What? After the movie. Daddy Hoskins. And when he was when he was finally able to ink out of his kids why they stopped talking to him, his kids were like, you were working with cartoon characters and you didn't fucking tell us? You didn't bring us to set so that no. we could meet Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny and all I these see. people? I see. And then he went, you were the dumbest piece of shit I have ever seen. I disown you. And then he threw him out on the street. Yeah. Also, funny note, I, I feel like there's, I'm trying to think of others. There's like several like high name actors who are like, I did this kid's thing. I loved it. It's like best thing I've done. Like Paul Newman. Like one of the last things he did was Doc Hudson and Cars. And wasn't he like, this is amazing. Yeah, he absolutely loved it. Like, I, 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 I feel like there's another one where there's so. another actor where he did some yeah. like cartoon show and he's like, this is best thing I've done. It's like, dude, you, you've won an Oscar. <laughs> Jack Nicholson animated. loved his performance as the, as the Joker uh, in uh, the Michael Keaton Batman. Mm-hmm. And apparently he would watch it like every day. Okay, <laughs> he was just like and watch he just, it like, by himself. Loved right? it. He it was one of his favorite performances. <laughs> anyway, Movie. yeah. So his kids actually did not talk to him for a couple months. That is uh, that's, that's wait. Real. So were they? It was because they were so dumb. They didn't know. They were yeah. They were little kids. Okay, that, little little kids. They were really little kids that like actually thought the cartoon characters were real and that their dad hadn't let them see them. Uh, mm. Now, Who Framed Roger Rabbit would have a lot of animation in it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, the typical animated movie, normal animated movie for the time, full animation, right? Everything you see on the screen is animated. Eighty minutes, right? Who framed Roger Rabbit? When it's all animation, no live action, all animation. It has fifty-five minutes mm. of that animated characters on yeah. screen. So it is only thirty percent, or not thirty percent, but thirty minutes less than an actual fully animated movie with its animation. On top of also, all this live action stuff which that they're doing. Which just makes it more difficult. Yeah. Yeah, which makes it insanely difficult and more of just like a, holy shit, I can't believe this movie happened. And, uh, you know, Who Framed Roger Rabbit would go on to get six Oscar nominations and win three yes. for best sound effects editing, uh, yeah. yeah, best visual effects, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. best film editing. Yeah. Yeah. And deserved. These are very large numbers, so bear with me. Oh, okay. My numbers are bad. I'll try. The film grossed $154,112,492 domestic. Okay. Domestically? Damn. And made $351,500,000 worldwide. Jeez. That's a lot for a movie back then, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is... Still a lot for a movie now. Yeah. yeah. At the time, it was the... Uh, cost the most money of any movie had ever done so mm, okay. and that would you know eventually be passed by titanic yeah um but at the time it was the most expensive movie. yeah animation like is very expensive to produce or yeah okay. yeah animation um, in general can be very expensive yeah because so when you're combining two very expensive mediums together you're it's gonna cost a little money yeah because who framed roger rabbit costed 50 million okay okay at the time which you know Fifty million yeah. inflation to now. I don't is know what that would be. A lot of money. A lot of money. But 
that kind of takes us to the end. Are you going to talk about the question mark? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the question mark. There's no question mark in the title. Yeah. You guys so, didn't notice. Yeah. So the book does have a question mark at the end of the title. Uh, who, censored Fra- who censored Roger Rabbit? Question mark. In the movie biz, in this little motion picture business we find ourselves in, mm-hmm. a question mark at the end of a title is often seen as very bad luck. And any movie that has a question mark at the end will oh. fail. So they decided... Oh. Despite the source material, they were going to take that question mark out and just leave it as "Who framed Roger Rabbit?" No punctuation. I, I could I could see why when every day they were on the edge of failure and people are getting schizophrenia, they maybe didn't want to push their luck with the, with question, the question mark. mark. Yeah, because Bob Hoskins, I believe he said he saw the characters. He did, for yeah. like months afterwards. Yeah, and he, he just, like, was see them. out of everyone. He was yeah. the one that like got it the roughest. Yeah, Oof. my Oof. man. Question mark. All right. Is that all? That is all. Yeah. Is that all? Thank all you. All that I have. Thank you for walking us through that, Miles. Miles. What, do you, what do you guys think of the movie, Miles? Uh, I, love I think this it's movie. pretty good. Again, uh, the animation. We like animation here. Phenomenal. It's fantastic. Like we said, the, the shading alone, doing doing this kind of thing. I mean, it's difficult now, but back then, you know, now we we have like computers and tablets and things where if we do two D yeah. animation, we can just draw on. But oh. to like do this animation on film, actually, real quick. Yep. So halfway through production, computers did get good enough oh. to do some of the work. Okay. Richard Williams, absolutely not. Mm. I refuse to use computers. Makes sense. Because it is an affront to what we are making right now. <laughs> we are making an homage to the original cartoons that we all know and love. And to put a computer in it would just sully the whole thing. I get that. Yeah, that's good. Because, you know, and, and yeah, looking at the growth and development of animation is always very interesting because every step of the way is finding ways to make it easier. And that's why we have a lot of 3D animation now, because you can animate on a computer as a 3D object, which is easier than 2D. And then you can have a machine f- do the in-betweens for you. You know, you can do those free frames and then they can get a rough pass. And then, yeah, you need to go in there and tweak it. But like, it, you know, they can do a bulk of the work. Yeah. Um, so 2D animation like this is not very common. Um, we've hyped this up before, I think. I don't know, but Klaus, phenomenal movie. Yes. Really harken back to um, traditional 2D animation, but they did use some new tech for volumetric lighting mm-hmm. on the characters, whereas for Roger Rabbit, they had to do these different lighting passes, but we now have some pretty cool technology that's able to analyze a two-dimensional scene and yeah. kind of add that, that shading to it. I would say Klaus is the closest we've come to getting back to that 2.5. Yeah, I think so. So... Like in between Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Klaus, there, there's been mm. nothing that I know of that does it. I'm sure there's others. There's probably some small yeah, thing, but well, Klaus is the largest one. I know The Princess and the Frog. Oh, was... dude. The Simpsons movie. Boss Baby. Boss Baby. I know The Princess and the Frog, like that animation was mm-hmm. 2D after they had already really dipped That was movie. one of the last, I think, like 2D things Disney did. Yeah. I think, was it the last 2D film they did? I'm not. I think it might sure be the last that. feature film they did that was 2D. Which is also a fun movie. I like that one. Yeah. I still forgot to mention. I forgot to mention another thing. Yeah. Who Framed Roger Rabbit was so successful, so iconic mm-hmm. to Disney. They put a whole place in Disneyland for it. Mm. So Toontown and it, in Disneyland. Did you ever play Toontown on the computer? I did not. Mm. I know people who did. I didn't either. But yeah, in Disneyland, you can go to Toontown and there's a Who Framed Roger Rabbit is ride. Is Jessica Rabbit there? Yes, she's got, she got kidnapped. Jessica Rabbit is my hall pass. <laughs> 
however, I think they are changing Toontown actively right now. I don't know if it's going to stay. Just like Disney to turn back on their, yeah. on their past. It brought them from the depths. It's like Lego, what they did to Bionicle, man. It's a crime. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm going to talk about what I like. Okay. Movie. We'll come back to me. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Um, yeah, obviously the animation is just crazy cool. I mean, even in the piano duel scene with Donald and Daffy Duck, you can see like their reflections on the piano. It's just the, all those little touches. You have bumping the lamp. Mm-hmm. All that kind of stuff is just like so impressive. Um, and even now, because this was 88? 89? Uh, it oh. released in... 88. Okay. Um, even like now, obviously it doesn't like you don't look at it and go like, oh my God, it's like they're really there, but it still mm-hmm. looks so phenomenal. Um, one of the things I did want to say was that the whole dynamic of Roger and Jessica, it reminded me of Mel Brooks and his wife Anne Bancroft, um, who she plays Mrs. Robinson in The Graduate. If you've mm-hmm. seen, oh, if you yeah. know what Mel Brooks looks like, he's not to say he's, he's not like an ugly man, but you know, he's, he's like, He's a funny little guy. He's a funny little guy. He's not um, known for his looks. This is the epitome of she's letting me slam because I'm goofy. Yes. Basically, Anne Bancroft would say, yes. I can get home every night and know that he's going to make me laugh. And they just had a very sweet relationship. And mm. it just kind of reminded me of that dynamic a little bit of kind of mm-hmm. like the clown and then just like the stunning mm-hmm. um, actress kind of dynamic. Like the one guy from Parks and Rec. Let me bring back to uh, my 1950s lingo. The broad. Mm-hmm. The broad. Ball and chain. Uh, another thing that I just really like is that, yeah, I mean, I'd seen this movie when I was little. And, you know, looking at it now, all of the more adult jokes that definitely went over my head when I was younger. Mm. You know, when they're like, oh, I thought you were Eddie Valiant. Are, aren't you Jack Daniels? And I'm like, probably as a kid, I wouldn't have gotten that. Um, He's a man for his alcoholism. Yeah. Because his brother died. <laughs> yeah, they had some like dark, dark <laughs> themes in there. And I think they balanced those kind of nods really well. So I think the humor also works especially well. I also just really sympathize with Eddie because Roger would drive me fucking nuts. I do understand why you'd have disdain for the tunes. They are a lot all the time and they can accidentally get you killed. Yeah. It's kind of like planes, trains, automobiles. Where I feel like Roger would just keep making all these mistakes that would nearly get me killed, and I'd be like, "Dude, I, I know, I know, you don't mean this, but like, I can't be around you." Yeah. So, um, which also in that regard, talking about how Toon World works, Toon yes. World works also racist yeah. towards the tunes. I was wondering if you guys had any slurs for Toon people. I have flatties in my head. Hmm. Got to work them racist numbers up. We don't. Yeah, yeah. We, but we oh, can to. we talk about the fact that the weasels die? The weasels die, so their ghosts die. go to heaven, but, yeah. but no one else goes. Yeah, I don't know. Also, we didn't really talk about this. I want to talk about how great Christopher Lloyd is. We, we sort of he's touched so on it, but he's phenomenal yes. in this. He's his really like good. chin, the chin prosthetic that he's wearing, like his face, his fit, and his all of it is teeth. very cool. And something, yeah, he's got like really white teeth. Mm-hmm. Something I was talking with Mariah about is as great as it is to have like complex villains. I mean, we talked about No Country. And where he's like a very evil man, but for like very complex reasons. It's very nice to have someone where you're just like, oh, he's evil. His name is Judge Doom. He's evil. His name is Judge Doom. He looks evil. He's just a bad guy. He just wants to make money, which is the most evil thing you could possibly do. He wants to build freeways. Like, got it. He's evil. He's evil. He made me sad that a shoe died. When he dips the yeah. little yeah. shoe in the dip, and I was like, like I, I don't I don't have to like try and like moralize or or connect with this villain, just like, oh, he's bad. So speaking of dip, one of the few things that can kill a tune that isn't other tune stuff is laughing. Is the, the well laughing, yeah. But the, you still get the tune ghosts yeah, that still yeah. exist. The dip. 
You might be wondering, what is the dip? They mentioned the, the ingredients. It's in an the STD. Did they? Yeah, it's like three ingredients. I can't remember them. Well, it's turpentine, acetone, ben- and benzene. Benzene. That sounds easy to make. You, you might think that these are just three random chemicals that they picked. Wait. Negative. Okay. These right. are the three chemicals that they would use to clean cells. Mm. Oh. Yeah, it suddenly, for a moment, I was like, uh, That's so clever. Very yeah. clever. Oh, my so God. When they're, when they're cleaning cells of animation to like, fix mistakes or just like clean it, it's those three chemicals. Very funny in That's... Damn, very that's funny. good. Yeah. If I came up with that, I'd be patting myself on that back for good. the rest of my life. That is really good. I mm-hmm. like that a lot. It's not bubbling green, but... I didn't think it would be, no. but that's very funny not. Yeah. Also, something I want to touch on real quick, going back to Evil Judge Doom. Uh, there's a bit where they're in the, the bar or speakeasy, whatever it is, and there's a war vet standing next to a chalkboard, and he is missing an arm. And he's got a sleeve, like an armless sleeve hanging down, and he uses the war vet's sleeve to wipe off the chalkboard. <laughs> <Yeah>. It's <laughs> awful, <laughs> despicable behavior. Yep. <laughs> like, war vet. So cruel. Like, because this is what, 50, so it would have been World War II? That's <laughs> fucking despicable. It's awful. That's really fucked up. That's honestly like, yeah, that's so disrespectful. I mean, I suppose like like the tune stuff, yeah, but it's like that one's just like real. (laughs) That you know, the other I want to build freeways. Like, okay, that's funny, but that one's like, oh my god. (laughs) Anyways, um, also, yeah, I I made note of the sound design. This movie, I think, is very good. The sound effects and stuff is very fun. Yeah, like a lot of them. The the one sound I didn't like was at the beginning. Dumbo flies in front of the window, and he's like. (laughs) <laughs> it makes that noise it's just it's awful and it's scary you're watching this is like five minutes in the movie and Stephen just goes what was that and i was like i think that was dumbo he's like that could not have been it's dumbo. like a scream it's like a, it's how i imagine like if someone turned into a zombie but their real person was still inside like trying to fight out that's what it sounded like that kind of a scream yeah i do it again like that <laughs> i hated it well, all the other sounds are great i think we Covering all bases, think, we're good. Yeah, well, so I good. did that beginning scene where they're like doing all the tracking because mm-hmm. you know in all the tracking shots where the camera moves, I got to mention just how like skilled people had to be to track it to the point where we don't even notice that it's like shifting. Yeah, from it's the like shot. sliding. So this is like people with basically grids over the shot, and they're like mm. slightly, you know, they're like tracking individual parts. And yeah, I I remember, you know, I've done little things with like Premiere or After Effects where I'm like tracking an object just like for fun. And like doing that where you're trying to track something over footage and it doesn't slip is just it's very silly. Yeah. They do you you can get like an auto tracker now where it'll like try and yeah, calculate it for you. But you, you got like, to you got to yeah, babysit and tweak it. It's 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 not a fun thing work. to do. It's not. Um but they did it really well. But yeah, I love the movie. I think everything. We that, love the movie. We love the movie. We. But specifically, me, I'm talking about me and the things I like about it. I love Jessica Rabbit. Jessica Rabbit. Things are like Jessica Rabbit, uh, Jessica Rabbit's lips, her legs, her gams, the gams, the uh, her, her ham hocks, her face, her Hair? waist, her and toes. Everything. Yiddies. Everywhere. Yeah, her tits and ass. Yeah, that's the one that we've been missing. <laughs> and him minge. <laughs> God. Steven's face like curled up as he said that. <laughs> I curled up like the Grinch. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I especially love just what went into this movie. I, you know, mm. I think you can kind of see a trend in the movies that I pick. It's like all the technical stuff that they do to make things mm. work is the, what makes me love it. I will say though, first movie 
first movie to have me love the soundtrack. Mm. Yeah. Nice. I like, did it. I love noirs did it. and I love the jazzy feel of them. Yeah. And I like jazz. To combine and two very different I like jazz. Like jazz. Like two jazz? very different sounds of music yeah. to combine together. It was very well done. Yeah. IMO, in my opinion, for all the people who don't know what IMO means. IMO K L M T T O V A I T Z E S. K Y S. K Y S. Ick Yik. Ick Yik. YOLO. I D G A F. FOMO. OMG. Right. Right, 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 right. I think we're let's, done. Let's read it. Let's read it. Um, oh. Seven, I, what are you going to rate it? What are you going to rate it? What did I rate it? Um, hold on. I, I have a rating. So Mariah, what are you going to rate it? Um, I think I'm going to give this movie nine Harry Ape Man backs mm. out of ten Harry Ape Man backs. Mm-hmm. This movie's great for all the reasons that Miles has gone through and the reasons that I've stated towards the end of this episode. I just think it's so unique. And every time it is just as enjoyable to watch it. Yeah, it's got some brilliant nods to animation. It's got brilliant nods to noir. It mixes the two together effortlessly. And I think everybody was cast perfectly in this. So mm-hmm. sorry to Bill Murray for not getting it, but Bob Hoskins yeah. fucking killed it. So. I don't think you would have done as good a job, Bill Murray. Rest I'm in sorry. piss, Bill Murray. <laughs> okay. I Seven. give it <laughs> nine out of ten sentient bullets. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> My rating system was going to be Oddly insensitive bullets. Oh, Racially okay. insensitive yeah, bullets. See. Yeah, I, I, I want sentient bullets. I was thinking about, you know, imagine how more tragic war would be if the bullets were alive as well. Um, and had their own little guns. And had their own racial stereotypes. That would be funny. Uh, yeah, I like this movie for all the reasons I talked about. Great animation. Uh, great integration of, you know, the real world and the fake world. And great segregation. And great segregation okay. of the 50s. There was um in Dumbo, there's a pack of crows who appear in this movie very briefly, and the main crow's name is Jim Crow. But we don't like to talk about that. We don't like to no, we don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. But yeah, it's a good movie. Great animation. It's very silly. Yeah. And it does it all well. We've said it all. Bye. What Miles. What the hell, man? I haven't gone yet. Were you gonna leave me out? Miles, what you what do you rate this? Now I gotta think of a different rating system. Okay. Okay. I got it. I know my writing system. I give this movie nine paused car crashes out of ten. You might be wondering, Miles, what are you talking about? I am wondering what you're talking about. When this movie came out on DVD, I'm sorry. VHS? VHS. I'm sorry. I'm a fucking I'm a Zoomer. I don't know what VHS is on. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> what are you guys talking about? Uh, talking about paused car crashes. Oh, right, because when Miles was a little baby boy yeah. and he had the VHS, he uh-huh. would pause on the car crash. Shut up. I didn't do that. I didn't do that at all. When they are leaving, uh, and it's Jessica Rabbit, the taxi car, and um, Eddie Valiant, and mm-hmm. they like crash into the lamp, yes. and they fly out. Oh, is that when they, they put acid, and so the, the yeah, car so the burns car- his feet? Yeah. yeah. His little feet melt? Well, Jessica Rabbit is spinning through the air with her legs wide open. And you can see up her dress, and you can see that she's not wearing any panties. And so when the movie came out, people would buy the DVD, like the original DVD, and try to pause it at that very moment. You can see she's not wearing anything underneath that dress. This was part of the 34 rules for Jessica Rabbit. This is a part of the 34 rules for Jessica Rabbit. This isn't a bit, by the way. This is real. Yeah. So, yeah. Nine that out of (laughs) ten. All right. Uh, everything they did, absolutely wonderful. I love this movie. It's perfect. Every time I watch it, 
I can see more little details that they added and I go, oh my God, I love this movie. I love it so much. I can't wait to talk about it in a podcast that I'm going to have eventually because mm-hmm. I'm a little child right now. And- I, I think it would be better if they had Lyle Crocodile in this and it was voiced by Sean Mendes. And with that, I think. And with that. We'll and with that, Stefan. I'm Stephen? on top of the world now. I don't know how the song goes. Stefan, my sweet baby boy. <gasps> yes. Oh. Oh, you're just out of oh my god! You're, you're guys... just out of the podcast womb. Oh, Stefan, my my baby boy, my precious baby boy. <laughs> please, please. What oh my god. what will your podcast episode this. be about? I hate this. I hate this. I'm, 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 Transformers. <laughs> Transformers. Transformers. Two thousand seven. Michael Bay. Michael Bay. Oh, Oh, Stefan. I need my Megan Fox. Oh, I, I love you, Optimus. my baby boy. Transformers. Roll up. Jessica Rabbit. All right, so our next episode, I guess, is going to be Transformers. Transformers. Mm-hmm. Because why not? Do, uh, do a good old blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, yeah. Keep an eye out. I have a feeling this might be the lowest rated movie that we cover uh, for us. Uh, I gave... Oh, you gave Rocky Horror. Yeah, I gave right. Rocky Horror. That's Ooh. hard to beat. Okay. Yeah. So, I look forward to when that one It would have beat. to be some real trash. Yeah. That is insinuating that Rocky Horror is trash, and I do not agree with that opinion. Uh, you know, and I'll fight you as soon as we stop recording. Okay, was, but in the meantime, you so can, if you like big robots that jump around, and then you also like really weird, crude, crass adult jokes along with it, stay tuned for Transformers. Yeah, I was talking about the movie, but I'm realizing that's kind of what we do as well. So I'm no better than Michael Bay. Poop, poop, wiener, piss, jokes. All right. You can find us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at the takes it took. If you want to send us an email with any corrections, suggestions, you just want to say hi, whatever, you can email us at the takes it took at gmail.com. And until uh, two weeks time, we'll be back with Transformers. But stay safe, have fun, watch movies, and we'll catch you on the next one. Mm-hmm. Also, I want to note, if you do email us, we are only one of us is going to respond and we're not going to tell you who and you have to guess. <laughs> So you should email us and put that theory to the test. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But that's just a theory. <laughs> a oh. game theory. Film theory. All right. Now, boys, I want to end this episode with um, our last impressions from this movie. Okay. We can okay. all have one impression. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's what stayed on my mind. Hey, wise guy. Oh, no, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm going to shoot you in the mouth with a gun. Please. Good. Thank you. Good, everyone. All right. Okay. Bye.